Thanks for tuning in to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast, where we talk about your body, how it moves, and empowering you with the knowledge to manage and treat your pain or discomfort. You will also get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at a successful private practice. You have the questions, and we have the answers. Now let's get moving. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast. I'm your host, Matt. And your co-host, Allie. Thanks for joining us today, and we are getting in just under the wire on our <laughs> <Again>. May <laughs> Clinical Corner article. You know, this is now is where I'm starting to spiral about the year going by. Yeah. We're not at the halfway point, but we're getting pretty darn close. No, that's what's scary about it. Um, yeah. Here we are. Yeah, so today we are talking about a cool topic. Uh, I think it's cool. Um, because it's a topic where a lot of people might be listening and go, Ooh, somebody told me they had that. Or I, I heard, uh, my neighbor said that they had that and they didn't know what to do. Can you say it or is that part of the question again? Well, so I think it's, it's, this is going to be a hard one to uh, word the question for the students okay. without giving away the answer in the title. But, um, I, yeah, I would just say like, you know, true or false, can physical therapy help with trigeminal neuralgia? What? Trigeminal. Yeah. So neuralgia is just like nerve irritation and the trigeminal nerve is a nerve uh, in your face. And trigeminal neuralgia is um, usually like severe, one-sided, sharp pain in the face, jaw area. Ooh. Yeah. Usually it's kind of like daily activities that bring it on that you can't really avoid, like talking, eating, teeth brushing. It sounds so, like something that you hear in the end of those commercials where they're like rattling off really quickly all the things that might happen if you take this pill. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's actually um, some people call it the suicide disease because sadly people that get this can be so bothered by the pain and there's not a lot of great treatment out there. Um, that oh it does force them down a dark so path. So it's not just so, like a sharp pain that like shoots across, like your arm hurts once in a while, but it's like constant. I think it can be both. I think it, pain. yeah, I think it can, you know, be some severities that range in varying degrees, right? This so is scary. Yeah. So, um, it actually, there's higher incidences in women than men <gasps> and it typically affects adults, uh, between like 50 and 60, um, Having MS or migraine headaches kind of can be a precursor or put you in a higher likelihood of having this problem, but definitely not, you know, a, a guarantee or anything. I have had my jaw open this whole time. I am like shocked I've never heard of this. Yeah. So it's, it's a, you know, for it's kind of one of those things like not a lot of people have heard of it until it's a big problem yeah. for someone they know. Right? right. And so like that's what I said, there may be someone out there listening and they don't know where to turn for help, right. but this is a pretty cool case study. Um, so we'll have the full description and article there for our clinician listeners because they do some pretty cool things uh, in this case study and they make some pretty big impact. Okay, so this is a case study. Yeah, so it's one particular patient okay. and it kind of follows them through the course of their treatment. Um, this particular patient was a 70-year-old active woman um, who was diagnosed with trigeminal neuralgia. Um, and she, you know, had a lot of complaints of pain as high as like seven out of 10, oh but it would vary like five to nine out of 10 and had been going on for like 10 months. That is scary. I mean, like, can you imagine even like trying to drive? 
Yeah, I think it's pain. it's hard. Um, you know, obviously, no pain is a good pain, but if you have pain in a limb or yeah. pain in you know something that you can like rest or avoid yeah. or modify an activity. Um, but when you think about eating or you know talking or brushing your yeah. teeth, like you can't really do without that. Um, so it can be something that is pretty um, demoralizing when folks do get this problem. Um, so the cool thing is that there is some hope and there is some treatment out there. Um, so over 10 sessions in three months of both hands-on manual therapy and exercise, um, this person had phenomenal outcome and uh, was basically relieved of oh their pain goodness. and symptoms. Uh. That makes me feel so much better. Yeah. I, knew, I think I thought that's where we were going with this, but I just, I'm just still so astonished. Well, I think the cool thing is that oftentimes we've talked about the value and benefit of, um, you know, hands-on manual therapy and exercise intervention. Mm-hmm. And this article does a good job of pointing out that, you know, both were needed in this case and both were beneficial in this case. And you can kind of, uh, when you guys uh, want to download the article, you can kind of look, they outline, you know, the different hands-on things they did, including joint mobilizations, uh, muscle energy stuff, uh, and even uh, thrust mobilizations to the mid-thoracic spine. Um, So lots of hands-on work uh, as well as exercise. And they do a nice job of even, uh, for the clinicians out there, of kind of even lining out, um, like visit by visit, the progression that they did. Um, So it's a nice way, it kind of gives you a little bit of a roadmap, not that you can ever follow anything cookie cutter, but at least gets you going in the right direction. Uh, if you're thinking that you have a patient that has trigeminal neuralgia or have been referred a patient, uh, that has trigeminal neuralgia, uh, I think it's a good way to kind of get started with treatment. That's crazy. Matt, have you ever treated somebody with this? I have actually treated folks with this problem. Um, I've done a lot with headaches and neck problems and TMJ problems. So, A lot of times, you know, when you start getting into certain groups of patients or working with uh, different referral sources that see those patients, you're kind of in that community. And so I think when they uh, know someone can provide some relief, um, you know, you get uh, a lot of patients that want to come and have that same effect. Yeah, you don't see a lot of patients who search for physical therapy for their face. Yeah, I think that, um, again, it's something that's been out there. It's nice to have the article to prove that, hey, this right. is something that's it's working. Um, but I think that it is something that we've seen patients for, uh, you know, for facial pain for, for quite a while. But um, I think that as we, you know, always talk, treating nerves in any area, treating muscles in any area mm-hmm. is no different, mm-hmm. you know. You have muscles and nerves in the face, just like yeah. you do in the shoulder, the knee, the hip. It's just different joints. We may adjust our techniques. We may adjust the scale of the hands-on treatment or the exercise. Obviously, exercise and facial muscles yeah. different than you're exercising, you know, back or hip muscles. But there's still muscles, joints with nerves, and same face. principles apply. In your you head. Know? And so that's the cool thing about what we do. And with direct access, there if, it is. if you have an issue, pretty much head to toe, you know, if you think about it, um, physical therapy is a great starting point. And, you know, being able to go through some differential diagnosis and some treatment to determine, hey, are we able to work with this problem or not? And then if not, get you to the next step or appropriate place, I think is a great avenue for patients. And so 
hopefully, uh, you know, for anyone listening, if you're, you know, have patients or have been told you have this diagnosis or uh, are starting to have these symptoms, you know, just yeah. kind of the shooting sharper pains, head face or uh, unilateral face pain, um, oftentimes is pretty characteristic of this uh, disease or diagnosis of trigeminal neuralgia. When you say unilateral, that means one side of the face, yep. like horizontal, or no, vertically. Yep, just one Horizontally side. Horizontally would be Like uh, Nicholas Nicholas Cage yeah. face off, like just <laughs> half, just half. Oh, you have the best references. Yeah. Um, has anybody ever come in to be treated for like TMJ or something like less severe and then one of our PTs or anybody would like be able to diagnose like, no, you have this bigger problem. It's a, I think things, um, overlap, you know, pain often, uh, especially if you have high pain in yeah. one area, it can cover up something else. And so I think there's, uh, you know, so many talented clinicians on our team that do a lot of differential diagnosis and communication with the referral source to say, this is what I'm seeing. This is what's improving. This is what's not improving. Right can you look at this? Yeah. And then there's, you know, communication back and forth. So I think we certainly do help in the detective process. Okay. Um, and it's much more, you know, dynamic. Unfortunately, with some of these things, there's not a great one test to prove, um, you know, uh, because even like an example, like an MRI only shows structural changes in about 15% of these cases. So you could quote unquote have a normal MRI, but still have this trigeminal neuralgia. That's so interesting to me because I feel like there are so many people out there with high pain tolerances, tolerances, mm -hmm. and it's like if they came into you with just like a TMJ or like a headache or something like that, and then you found out that it's you know this severe, I just feel like that's crazy. Like you can take that much pain and just waltz in here and. Yeah, I like think that, uh, you know, I, I think there's that term out there, the walking well, um, you know, the people, what? people are, you know, putting up with a lot because they have a lot going on, you know, and the, you know, just commitments or, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, between finances and time, they may yeah. not devote those efforts to their health. And, you know, obviously we talk a lot about patient advocacy and mm -hmm. patient access and. Um, you know, I would just encourage folks out there, if you're having an issue, seek care for it. Mm -hmm. um, that's where direct access gives you such a great advantage so that you can, you know, come in at least for an evaluation. Right. Um, sooner we get to things, you know, unfortunately, this individual, this pain went on for 10 months. Um, Before they sought treatment? Uh, I don't, it doesn't say kind of the background. They were diagnosed, so... I think they probably had been having pain for 10 months, but it was 10 months before they got the therapy. Oh, goodness. Um, you know, so that, and that's, that's, that's almost a year. Yeah. You know, that's almost a year of some activities that you do not only daily, but multiple Just times life. a day, right? Yeah. Talking, eating, yeah. brushing your teeth. Like if it hurt up to seven to nine out of 10 pain yeah. with those activities, that would get pretty old pretty fast. Right. I mean, some people with that kind of like headaches or pain like that don't even get out of bed. So like that's a long time. Yeah. And the cool part is that this didn't just get better. It pretty well went away because they had a four-year follow-up. and uh, so she, she was treated for, what you say, a month? Ten sessions. Ten sessions mm -hmm. over a month. And then she was, after four years, they checked back and like, how you doing? And she's like, completely yeah. fine. Yeah. I think it was over actually like a three-month uh, interval, ten sessions over three months. Oh, three months. But after three months, she had only had one activity in four years that caused her pain. Could you imagine just like how grateful you would feel for that? 
<clears throat> yeah, and the cool part, you know, the treatment really no side effect. It's not like a medication that she has to continue to take yeah. or anything like that. I'm sure there's probably, you know, a continued exercise regimen or flexibility thing that she probably keeps up with. But outside of that, you know, it's it's a great treatment because, you know, limited to no side effect and you get a great outcome. Did you mention anything about dry needling? So they did not do dry needling in no. this particular case, but dry needling is something that I've used to treat this problem. And um, based on the symptoms, you know, looking at this article certainly could be something that you could use for that. Interesting. I thought that was going to be like the highest point or like, you know, the yeah. most used thing in this. But you mentioned a couple of other more manual. Yeah, lots of hands-on manual, lots of nerve mobilization. So kind of nerve flossing, stretching, and then kind of postural retraining were kind of like the highlights of you know, what they went through clinically. Um, but like I said, they do a great job in this article of kind of outlining each visit and each session and the progression. Um, so it's a great roadmap to start uh, helping folks with this problem. And, uh, you know, again, I just encourage people to get seek some care. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, there are some people who go to chiropractors and massage therapists or, you know, foot doctors and there's hand doctors. There's like really nothing that I could imagine like other than a dentist to go to for your face. I think that, um, you know, these folks probably end up, you know, seeing some ENTs, you know, they would probably be specialists that they would see, um, you know, certainly probably family doctors see and hear these complaints. Um, Like, I just feel like that would be so much more specialized, like obviously a dentist for your teeth or like, yeah, I think that's your why it throat. takes some time know. for folks to find like a like find a great place to get treatment, you know? Yeah. So um, that's one reason why I wanted to highlight it on the podcast because it's, right. you know, something that we've treated for a while, but huh. finally having this recent case study hot off the press from, um, you know, JOSPT again mm-hmm. and gives us kind of the ammunition to say, hey, this is something we can really help with. Right. And if you're out there looking for where do I go or I have this diagnosis, what do I do? Um, you know, physical therapy is a great avenue for that. So you're saying I need to update our website with face paint. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And for our student listeners out there, obviously it's a true on the true or false, but so I kind of gave you a softball. It's it's summertime, you know, I figure we're out of school. Yeah. You need a little break. We also probably have people who just skip to the end. They want to know the answer so fast. They might. They might. True. The answer is true. Physical therapy can help with trigeminal neuralgia and, if you have this problem or you know folks with this problem, certainly ask them to come in and see us and we'd be happy to help. And that's all, folks. <laughs> Appreciate it. We'll talk to you guys soon. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at OxfordPhysicalTherapy.com. And you can also find us on our social media pages like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. Remember, you do not need a doctor's referral to receive physical therapy in the state of Ohio and Kentucky where we offer double the care for less than half the cost. You can schedule appointments online or stop into any center for a free screen, what we like to call a bee visit. Please write a review, send us a comment or message on our social media platforms, and until next time, keep it moving!